price drop? Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Patrick Corain. And uh, we thought that we would uh, take a look back at the, at the season that was see some of the things we got right, see some of the things we got wrong, see if there's anything to learn. Um, you know, probably the, the number one thing I learned is uh, just pick the best plays because that was a great strategy this year. If you just avoided all the big injuries and, uh, you know, you pick Cooper Cup instead of Robert Woods, you pick Debo instead of Brandon Ayuk, you take Deontay Johnson instead of Chase Claypool, you know, you just got rich. Yeah, it, it is funny because – with fantasy football, there's like these these two lessons that are, uh, you know, kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum where you do want to be diversifying, you know, but then you see these what feel like coin flips at the time. Uh, last night on Chip Chase and we rewatched our NFC draft uh, and we were debating JT and, and Barkley felt like a coin flip. And at the time, yep. Pete and I were like, yeah, we lean JT, Gretchen Leone, lean Barkley, Leone broke the tie to JT. We were like, all right, we all like JT. That's cool. Yep. It doesn't matter that much mattered a ton. So it's like, it's difficult to diversify when, you know, the, the Ayuk Debo thing, getting that right would have like won you the season The the cup woods, if you were right about that, but at the same time, there were so many injuries this year. It felt like one of the most chaotic years ever, even more chaotic than last year. Way more chaotic so, because there were there were actually way more guys who missed time with COVID this year than last right. year. Right. So if you were the type of person who was like all in on a few key spots, this was like the worst year to do that. So I, I don't know. Unless just, unless you were unless you were on the right spots, like unless yeah, unless you unless just hit the nuts. Yeah. Which you could have done. I mean, look, uh, like oh yeah, I know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers backfield is is the nut spot, but I think Rojo sucks, and I think Lenny's good, Rich. I think Cooper Cup is really good, and I'm in on Matt Stafford. Rich, um, you know, I, I think Saquon. I think Saquon Barkley is totally dust. Rich, right? Although he's not totally dust, in my opinion, he's just playing uh, winning Jake from Mike Lennon offense. Are you not worried that uh, that Devontae Booker like looks better than him? Yeah the the uh, the combination of coaching, quarterback play, and him in a platoon is not ideal. Uh, but he's still, I don't know. He's still made some nice breakaway runs when you see Barkley play as well. Like he doesn't always look that great, but I've seen him look like vintage Barkley enough this season where I think he's, I think he's like pretty solid talent wise. I think the issue with him is that he needs to be like 110% of what he was at his peak 
to break through the situation. And he's probably like 90% of it. I mean, he's always had the, uh, the Barry Sanders disease where a huge number of his runs are not successful runs because he's always trying to break 60 yard touchdowns. And that doesn't work when the, the passing offense can't make, like if you're immediately putting your team in second and 12, uh, like, and your quarterback can't ever convert second and 12s, then it's just not going to work out, which is what we saw happen with him. Yeah, exactly. So structurally speaking, you know, another thing that I think is going to be a big change next year is the elite tight ends. Um, Kittle had the two big games. Kelsey had, I think, only two 100-yard games all season long, I, I believe. And he had the one crazy game with, like, 180 and two. Uh, Waller was persona non grata. I mean, he had Darren Waller had one good game this season and it was in week yeah. one against the Ravens even, and he did get hurt, but even before he had gotten hurt, he was not playing well. Uh, TJ Hawkinson. I mean, I don't even know where TJ Hawkinson finished in terms of tight end points per game, but I guarantee you it's very similar to what he did last year, which is maybe he was good points per game, but did that via accumulation and not via spike weeks. Like I, I feel like Mark Andrews is going to be really, really pushed up in, in drafts next year. But I feel like by and large, I mean, probably the move at tight end was either surviving long enough for Andrews to to turn up or waiver wire, basically. Although Kelsey, I mean, Kelsey was was quite helpful. We had him in the NFC league that we won. Um, you know, I, I think he was going he was going ahead of Tyreek, who was better. Right. Uh, we got him at the 112 uh, okay. in, in non-tight and premium there, PPR. Um, but in the FFPC, I still think he was a pretty solid pick as well, you know, compared to the other guys in the like early first. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't think Kelsey was necessarily a bad pick in, in some ways. He was one of the better picks you could have made, but at the same time, I am worried about him next year. His ADOT's fallen way off. Uh, Hill's ADOT has also fallen way off. So you, you just don't have the same explosion in general in the Kansas City offense this year, which has been you know discussed to death. But you also have age with with Kelsey, which makes me worried about his uh, declining a dot, which has fallen off a lot. You know, he used to be at like nine point five. I think he was at like eight point nine last year. He's down to seven point five this year. Which, when you start to get in that range, like you're really just banking on a bunch of targets, and you're kind of like slowly becoming Jason Witten. So. Uh, which I'm which works about. which works i mean pat the the pick of the year was zach Ertz at tight end i mean you <laughs> like zach zach Ertz. zach what what is zach Ertz like the tight end eight in ppr probably yeah let's let's look that up 2021 tight end fantasy scoring i mean Z larry uh zach zach Ertz gerald uh just i mean absolutely smoked the the position he was healthy dude Dude, in PPR, Zach Ertz is the tight end six. He scored five fewer points than Kyle Pitts. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, man. I love uh, that. I actually I, I rewatched the uh, NFC draft that we did because uh, we on Chip Jason last night. We were discussing it, and uh, so I flagged some some moments to rewatch. But one of the, the moments, we didn't, we didn't bring this up last night, but uh, Pete was at one point just absolutely tilting your tweet 
from uh you're like you're kind of like flag plants entering the season and then you had led it with zach Ertz. zach Ertz top like, 10 you <laughs> just couldn't believe that you'd done that which is which is funny because i think a lot of my i mean a lot of my other takes were not very good i mean this was my least successful year in best ball least successful year in the ffpc since i started taking them super seriously um partly because some of my most drafted players at every position were terrible uh yeah so the rookie, i had the same the rookie, issues the rookie quarterbacks all bad uh lawrence bad fields bad lance started twice one of those starts came when all my teams were eliminated um tua was fine he was my third most drafted quarterback i think but and i guess that worked out because he got waddle but you know ronald jones useless mccall hardman useless uh donovan people's jones had one spike week but he was mostly useless uh really really the the only two guys i hit hammer hammer hammered who worked out were daryl henderson and zach Ertz. yeah zach Ertz was one for me uh i was hammering I luckily I got on chase a bunch late in the draft. Yeah. Uh, well, cause he season. was slipping. He was slipping. Cause he was, he was slipping. I was on Debo because I, I mean, I got bailed out on Debo cause he was so cheap compared yeah. to Ayuk. Like if he had gone even like two picks behind Ayuk, I wouldn't have been on him. I don't think. Sure. But you know, you're getting like around and a half later or whatever. So I was scooping him up a lot. Uh, but I wasn't really on cup. Like I wasn't, not taking cup but i wasn't prioritizing him. i was prioritizing dj more in that range uh and so it did i had less cup than i should have had so, so yeah a lot of the guys i was making stands on you know similarly I, I mean the rookie quarterback one i really am kicking myself for uh we got so probably, exuberant dude we got so way exuberant. too exuberant i also in dynasty in superflex i've made it like a, i've had a lot of success just banking on us not knowing which quarterbacks are going to be good and just like in the usually in superflex that means scooping up whoever scooping everyone else ones. leaves for for dead yeah so uh you know herbert josh allen you could even get like uh daniel jones was was free and then you know quite profitable to trade off later so you know the flip side of that coin obviously is this quarterback class that's so heralded heralded might be terrible which it I mean, it's a terrible, it doesn't, it doesn't look good. Yeah. It doesn't look good. Like no one, like Davis mills is second in efficiency uh, on the year behind Mac Jones. It's not exactly. Yeah. It's not great for no. Um, Which is, is sort of interesting because we're going to have a chance to do this again. Uh, I've been, I've been looking forward a little bit and I think we are going to see massive quarterback musical chairs this off season, um, especially if a couple of these guys get traded, but just off, uh, off the top of my head, the dolphins might have a new quarterback. The Colts might have a new quarterback, depending on how the playoffs go. Uh, like I know they like Wentz, but if they flame out round one of the playoffs, or if they lose this game to the Jaguars, you know, something, something could happen there. Uh, the Broncos are probably going to have a new quarterback. The Browns are going to have a new quarterback. The Steelers are going to have a new quarterback. The Washington football team probably has a new quarterback. We'll see what the Giants do. The Panthers will have a new quarterback. Matt Ryan could retire. No, I've not seen anyone float that out, but Calvin Ridley's probably going to be on a different team. So it'll be Matt Ryan returning to Kyle Pitts and Russell Gage and probably having the same season that they just had. Uh, 
who the Vikings, uh, you know, it seems like they're about done with the Kirk Cousins experiment. And he's Russell under contract. He's, they want to trade him. Like a, the, 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 have you heard, have you heard this rumor that uh, the, the Baker Mayfield for Kirk Cousins swap? Oh my God. That would be incredible. Isn't that amazing? Is it? It's just like, it's just like two teams being like, we're sick of this guy. And then the other team like, yeah, we're sick of this guy too. I mean, Kirk Cousins is a way better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't think we've ever really seen anything from Baker that would make you like, Cousins is capped. He's he's definitely got a capped ceiling, but whoa, Baker was Baker has been really good before. It's just been really short flashes. He turns the yeah. ball over a lot, which is a problem. He like flashed. I mean, everyone's very excited after his rookie year, but he hasn't really done anything since. And even then, it was more like, hey, this rookie is doing good stuff for a rookie, right? Like when right. did he actually like genuinely flash? Like he's never had a stretch like. I mean, I was like even Herbert, like he's never had, you know, he's just never even been close to that. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. But I mean, so, so, I mean, I, I guess one of the things we, we did learn was that there is a lot of value in the Kirk cousins, the uh, certainly like the Matt Stafford's, the Tom Brady's just like the slow and steady, uh, you know, 18, 19, 20 points a week. Uh, also wondering I mean, this is a problem a bunch of my teams had, which was weeks with no quarterback scoring, yeah. right? You the, know what's the, helpful? When the quarterback is starting plays, first. Team. Yeah, when the quarterback yeah. plays. Yeah. Yeah, that's generally good. Yeah, no, it is It is generally good. I think I think that is um, I think that is a, a big thing, a big thing that well, I learned. They, I, I'm going to be much less, I'm going to be much less optimistic, I think, about Corral, uh, you know, and all these guys. Well, yeah, and I also think, like, I've just – you obviously need to have a lot of upside on your best ball teams and everything, but, like, how much upside are you adding versus, like, taking on additional risk that might not be necessary? And what if you already – like, you're supposed to draft like you're right, right? So, like, if sure. you already crushed your early round skill position picks – why are you taking on massive risk at the quarterback position where you generally aren't going to separate a ton? We're not very good at predicting who's going to separate a ton anyway. And like, there's generally like some cheap options. Like Hertz was, was very cheap. Burrow was very cheap. Yeah. Burrow, Bur- not, not being, fine. not being in on Burrow, uh, like retroactively just feels like Burrow, like not having like 17% Joe Burrow just feels like it's such a disaster. I think I did, but he's paired with like Lawrence, Lance Fields. I mean, like that's every every all of those guys. Every every team I would pull up, every team I would pull up that it would advance and be like, great. This team has Trey Lance. This team has yeah. Zach Wilson. Like this team Darnold, is just a nightmare. Yeah, Dar- Patrick. Oh, so much loser, Darnold. And on two quarterback teams as well. And I was talking to Pete about this. I think he's not on the same page with this with this idea. Maybe it's like hindsight bias, but I don't know, man. Like I'm if I'm doing my first quarterback in the. 10th or 11th round, I think I'm just taking three. And I know I'm like, yeah, I know I'm taking some upside off the table. And I know like maybe in the playoffs, that's not going to be that helpful, but I don't know, like the way these playoff rounds work is if you get a guy to like, if you had burrow and you got a guy to bridge you through that one week, then you get burrow blow up for the last two weeks. Like it just comes down. I don't know. Like, I don't think you're giving up that much upside if you take that third quarterback in the 18th round and, uh, I just I just looked at way too many teams that were dead because I had like 
you know, Burrow and Darnold and, and that wasn't enough. Yeah. And I mean, you know, one thing, and this has been, this is like the, the big, uh, the big war is, um, you know, is, is it best to have teams with the absolute, um, you know, best possible upside or whatever, or is it just best to try and get as many teams through as possible? And it does kind of look like, I mean, I, I think where I'm at now is maybe it's best to just try and get as many teams through as possible. Now, maybe that will be different next year because this specific playoffs, uh, you know, the COVID stuff really started blowing up right when mm-hmm. the DraftKings and underdog best ball playoffs started coming up. So just so many teams were taking zeros and maybe that will be different next year. Yeah. And I think like, obviously you still need to be stacking. You still need to like be building teams that like are very live that you're getting yeah. through. But I think on like team, you know, monster, like team monster teams versus team, get them through. I'm over on team, get them through at this point. I think, I think I am too. Um, and you know, one of the ways that you get the monster teams is by really, really hammering late round picks, right? Just being like, I'm taking Corderell Patterson on every mm-hmm. team or whatever, which, you know, obviously had you done that this year, your advance rates would have been uh, phenomenal, but it is, it's just so hard to do that. Like some of the guys I was hammering there, uh, like people's Jones, like Pringle, you know, they, they contributed like, like what Pringle scored three touchdowns on the year. And one of them was during the playoffs when all my teams were dead anyways. Like it's, it, I mean, obviously you want to do it. It's just, it's just very hard to do well. Even if you do it like fairly well, like Pringle was like a good one. Um, uh, Justin Jackson was a guy, you know, like yeah. if you had, you know, especially for the playoff stuff. Uh, but it, it's not like Justin Jackson was a guy you're dropping in managed leagues throughout the year. Like you really, there's like, it's just a very, very, you know, <laughs> thin bet really to, to be able to, to nail that guy. I mean, obviously we're going to get hyped about guys and I, I oh, like yeah. my strategy of, uh, I think I'll go back to the, you know, fall in love with a different 18th round pick every two weeks. Every, strategy. every two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And just keep mixing it up. Um, that's fun. But I guess, you know, sacrificing one of those for a third quarterback when you don't have an elite quarterback, uh, I think is, I, I just feel like better about that, even in these tournaments, just because, you know, that third quarterback could, could help you get through. I think we were talking about, uh, I think this was uh, Dricko's team that won the FFPC 100K. I, I don't know. It's all blended together. I think it was, but he had Roethlisberger. No, it was Leone's team. Leone's team got through to the, uh, the final 12 of that FFPC team because he had Roethlisberger, who was an auto pick. Uh, yeah. But he got he got him through the first round or the second round of uh, of that tournament. So, you know, I'm like, I guess I'm just like more open to the idea that uh, that type of build, which you know three quarterback builds has a good advance rate when you don't, you know, one of them's not elite. That type of build might also have upside in these single elimination rounds where you're just trying to get someone in the, in the quarterback slot with, you know, sufficient points. Which, and I mean, obviously it is easy to overreact based on what we just saw. I mean, there was just so much, like, I would be, I think, a little surprised if next year's NFL season ends up as chaotic as this season in terms of, I mean, maybe the injuries will be bad. Uh, The injuries were insane this year, but the combination of 
loads of injuries to players drafted in the first five rounds and the COVID list stuff made it just like an absolute minefield of a situation. Yeah. And I think that's the diversification point. And like, you know, Pete over, but, but, but diversifying, his, like, uh, diversifying is bad for the monster teams argument. You, you don't really want to be diversifying as much if you're trying to do the monster teams. Right. I guess so. But I think, I think you can still be diversified and then, you know, we just be like kind of pushing it with your structure. And well, like, cause like, know. for example, if you diversified cup and woods that way hurt your diversification chances versus if you just took cup every right. time. Right. Yeah. And I guess it, it just comes down like part of the diversification thing is like how bad of a season are you willing to have? Cause there's a guy who take, who took woods there. You know what I mean? Like it's sure. out of like, Oh, you just take cup. But like, there's, you know, if you do that, you'll take Woods one year and, you know, that's going to be like a really rough year for you, like mentally, not just financially. So, uh, you know, that's part of the, but, but Pete was a lot better with the diversification. I was looking at, uh, you know, he posted his exposures uh, right before the season and everything. I was like, man, you, you were much, uh, much better about being diversified and Pete had a sweat for the million. So I think, I think diversification is, is one of the lessons for me, um, especially in best ball where, uh, you know, some of these picks that you don't love so much and manage, if they have like a really nice four or five week stretch, like that can really help you. Uh, where in managed, maybe you know, you're, you're not even starting those guys half the time and it doesn't help you as much. Yeah. And I mean, look, we learn this lesson every single year. You fall in love with these guys and manage and you end up dropping like more than half the guys you draft and exactly. managed managed is so much more about just hitting like three home runs. Like if you just get three dudes who are like, at, like if you drafted uh Cooper cup and uh Jalen hurts and you know what, Mark Andrews, whatever, doesn't matter. And those dudes just smash for you every single week. It just literally didn't matter. Like you can chop and change around those guys so easily and managed. Exactly. Yeah, you just have to you just have to hit on a couple of guys. Uh, to that point, I was looking at a draft that we did in um, in January, me, Gretch, and Pete, and it was like it was pretty wild. I mean, first of all, I think we got Kyle Pitts in the eighth round of this uh, FFPC best ball draft at the time. Uh, so wow. you know, just some silly stuff like that. You know, like last January pre-draft. So you know, you see lots of stuff, but we we took Swift in the second round. And we took Gibson in the third round. And I was just like, you know, just the hype machine, which I was a part of, by the way, but the hype machine stuff, it does make you like, I just want to do a better job of kind of setting priors entering the summer hype where you're know, like Swift, I, you know, did and still do think is more talented than Gibson, but yeah. Um, but the projection stuff, you know, is going to push that to Gibson. And then you start to dream about the receiving ability. But I think a lot of that ends up kind of just being double counting because the projections are kind of like, it's okay to have Gibson ahead if the projections are, are on that. But, you know, I think a lot of that hype was us kind of like reapplying some of the same stuff that was going to be baked into the projections and kind of discounting the talent difference, which, you know, like as evidenced by my own pick in January, <laughs> I thought Swift was better. So uh, I actually had plenty of Swift, but um, just like that's an example of, you know, one of those things where I feel like there were spots where I kind of lost sight of like the talent evaluation that I had on some of these guys. 
um, in some cases, and then like, like lost sight in both directions, like in some cases, like not accounting for it enough. And in other cases, like being more hyped on a guy than I really should have been given the talent profile. Were there any dead zone running backs that made you uh, question your commitment to not, to not drafting running backs in the dead zone? The one guy was Josh Jacobs. And yeah, because um, and he he fell so far. I mean, he fell in in those underdog drafts that were just insane. I mean, you could get him in like the eighth round sometimes. I, and I was taking him there, uh, even in the seventh. Um, I had a guy on Twitter talk me into him, basically. And uh, I mean, ultimately, like the thing with Jacobs is he was a first round pick. You know, the team was like not going to not play him. And he hadn't been very good, but he did have a path to receiving, even though, you know, he's, he's not like an amazing receiver, but he's capable. And, you know, the guy, you know, ultimately injuries kind of opened that up for him. Gruden leaves Gruden was using him wrong. So they start using him a little bit more intelligently. And, you know, he's a very solid pick. Like it's probably going to be the, you know, who this guy is now Davis. Who, you know, who? no, yes, we, we, we can't. I mean, I'm not going to take him. I'll, someone else can take him. I'm not doing this with Clyde Edwards Hilaire again. I'm, I won't do it. He's going to be in it. like the sixth round. You're not taking him? Oh, he's going later than that, bud. Clyde because they'll, they'll draft a guy. They'll either draft a guy or Derek, Cor- Derek Gore is going to like score a touchdown in, in the AFC Conference Championship. Derek, Derek and, Gore is like really good. I, that, that is a, a legitimate concern. Yeah, and he's going to be in like a three-way timeshare with the mentor – and Derek Gore, and it's just not going to happen for him. Yeah, my bad. Still dude. take some of them in the in the seventh and eighth round. My <laughs> my my, going? my dynasty bags, as it pertains to, uh, <laughs> as it pertains to Clyde Edwards-Helaire, are so heavy. There, it's basically the heaviest bags that I own. I mean, it's unbelievable. I, there's some trade offers that uh that were rejected that I'm glad you rejected for uh where you would have been sending me Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Yeah, yeah. I uh I wish that um. I wish that I would have done those because it's uh, it's pretty painful to stare at him on these dynasty. I mean, just knowing I have multiple dynasty teams out there with Henry Ruggs and Clyde Edwards-Helaire on them, and yeah. uh, you know, you know who the biggest poison pill ever was. I spent I, I had all these tanking teams in dynasty last offseason in these super flex leagues, and I have so much Trevor Lawrence at the one hundred and one, and it's just the it's, ultimate yeah. poison pill. It's just like he's useless. In a year with Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. And Jalen Waddle. And Jalen Waddle, yeah, looks great. Looks great. You know who? Uh, you know who's going to be the guy who makes us look stupid uh, next year? That uh, that that we're not going to take is going to be Najee Harris. We're not going to take. We're not going to take Najee at all. And he's going to have a Derrick Henry season if they get a quarterback. Where does he go? You think? Where Jonathan Taylor was going this off season? Like 10, 11, 12, 13, 14? I think I can get on board a little bit there. Like if, you know, if he's going to fall to like the two Oh two, I think I can scoop him up a little bit just to get exposure. I, I was worried you were going to say like one Oh five. I mean, I haven't, I haven't even started sat down to start thinking about it and it's going to be really heavily dependent on who they get as quarterback. If Mason Rudolph or jo- or uh, not, not Josh Dobbs, um, Dwayne Haskins, if that's their plan at, uh, at quarterback, then, yeah, I mean, it's just not gonna 
I'm not going to want, no one's going to want to take him, but if they, if they draft Kenny Pickett or something, way more people are going to be into it. Yeah. The, the thing with Harris is that like, this was kind of his like ideal outcome and he still was not, I mean, well, I, he he's come to, off a really big game, but he, he still didn't have like an incredible season. He needs to score like 14 touchdowns to, to get yeah. there. And, and he didn't, which is, you know, it is what it is, but it, it didn't work for them. No. And he's also, his yards per outrun right now is like under one. Yeah. He just catches good. stone cold dump offs. Yeah. So it's not like he's this, I mean, he doesn't have any breakaway ability. Uh, yeah. I don't know. You just, Derrick Henry, I don't think is the, the comp because Derrick Henry is a breakaway legend, you know? It's like, I'm not even sure who the comp is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like Eddie Le'Veon Lacey's Bell. Comp, it's like really. Le'Veon Bell without the touchdowns. Yeah. But Le'Veon Bell's a way better, was a, a way better receiver. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. It's honestly like it's Eddie Lacy with a bigger workload and more quarterback play. There are going to be so back. many running backs who go in the first round next year. And then it's just going to be done. Like I, it would not surprise me if like one running back goes on average in the second round and it's just all wide receivers. Well, the class isn't very good, right? This running back yeah. class. I was looking at, I mean, I think there's a couple like two down guys who look okay. There's like a, a couple, uh, there's like one guy who's got a pretty decent receiving profile, but I was, I don't think he's like very highly regarded. He could be kind of a Kenny, Kenny Gainwell type really. So I don't, I don't think there's like a ton of like fresh new legs coming in, you know? No, no, there's not. I don't think. Yeah. So that's, I, I... that's going to make it tough. Where does uh, where does Cooper Cup go? Probably like 103, 104. You think he goes ahead of Devontae Adams? Yeah. I'd, See, I think, I, I think I'd rather take I mean, I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna guess when I sit down to do projections next year that Adams projects better than Cup. Well, I mean, like if we were drafting today, you have to take Cup first because we don't know what Aaron Rodgers deal is. He's he's coming back. I I've I've uh, dude, they they got the they got the buy again and he's going to win MVP. I don't think I don't think you leave that. I don't think you leave to go to De- I don't think you leave to go be coached by Dan Quinn in Denver if that happens. I'm not putting anything past Aaron Rodgers after this year and a half, you know. He's uh... No, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um you know, I mean, like some of the some of the things that we uh theorized coming in were proven correct right like the the mike davis uh you know melvin gordon like avoid avoid those guys I'm but st- i'm still mad we weren't more like that was the easiest thing to get on like the we we just because the guy had wide receiver by his name i wasn't drafting him i'm so mad at myself for that for not for taking what? More patterson oh for not yeah, taking I more mean... patterson because we were so all over mike davis we were see, like, we took quadre olison a couple yeah, times and we could start he had taking running patterson. back by his name yeah, yeah, it's so stupid. Like such, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing of like, I didn't know, I had no interest in Allison other than that he was a running back. They label a guy, they label a running back wide receiver and I don't draft him. Just It does, it does feel like one of the, um, does feel like one of the all time, like you let that, you let that slip through your hands type things. Cause 100%. I even, I even love Cordero Patterson. Like I'm even yeah. biased for, for Cordero Patterson. Yeah. And he's been great with the ball in his hands. He's like, I wrote an article with my brother back in like 2016 that was like, this guy's going to stick in the league because he's an all-time kick returner. 
like keep your eye on him. And then when the time came around, I was like, no, I'm not interested. No, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. So no, it is. It is. Um, it's incredibly painful. Uh, and then the, the, this is another situation we'll have people chasing again, which is the, they don't have anyone to throw the ball to. So, which led to Brashad Perryman getting drafted a bunch. Um, and we'll, we'll have a couple teams like this next year. And I think one of the things I'm going to try to do is just draft the young players there. So like, mm-hmm. obviously Perryman ended up being terrible. If you would have just taken a couple stabs on St. Brown, you would have gotten a bunch of spike weeks. Like there were, there were people out there with like 20% Brashad Perryman and they could have been taking St. Brown instead. Yeah. I think that's a good, you know, uh, there was no path to it on, on the Jaguars. Um, everyone, everyone bombed there. Uh, I guess, unless you're somehow new Dan Arnold was going to get traded there, but the jets, Elijah Moore was the guy. Um, so yeah, I think taking the young and guys even on the even he offenses, didn't have that many spike weeks. That's true. Although he would, he's one of those where like I feel, you know, the results weren't there, but, but I feel but, pretty strongly that he was a he was a good pick. He was a good pick. Yeah, I mean, he got steamed, so maybe he wasn't a great pick in the ninth round or whatever. But you know, at at one point in the draft uh, draft season, he was a great pick. Um, but I to the point of bad teams. I also want to go through before the summer and just like list the teams that I think could just like absolutely crater teams where we don't want really anybody any part of, or we don't want anybody yeah, where we don't want anybody and, or like maybe we want someone, but they have to have supreme talent like Deandre Swift. Like Deandre Swift can clearly break through pretty much any situation because he's like a very, very talented young receiving back, but you know, outside of stuff like that, Michael Carter, by the way, I've been impressed with with how bad that situation is, and he's flashed. But uh, I felt like I ended up being too overexposed to offenses like the Jaguars, you know, even the Jets, because it's like, hey, these guys are getting discounted, and, you know, they have some exciting players, and that's fine, but I then don't want to end up with, like, a portfolio that's like way overweight on way offenses overweight like a crater. Crappy guys. Yeah. Yeah. And underweight on like I was really into the Bengals. Um, so I, you know, I, I didn't have enough Packers though. I didn't have enough Rams. Like I also want to do the opposite and make a list of like the offenses that I think not that could exceed expectations, but that could crush expectations. That could be, yeah. you know, like the, the top five offenses that you like needed to have that year. I was in on the 49ers although that came with Lance. So that, that didn't help that much, but, uh, but you know, there, so I was in on some of those, but just being, I think if you just like, if you made a list of those and got like 60, 70% of them, right. And we're overweight on all of them, you have a pretty good year. You know, like a lot of it just comes down to being overweight on the right offenses. You know, which one really hurt was the Cowboys sucking. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, like a, they- that's one of the ones I was in on. Yeah. And they were, they were just bad. I mean, they, they, like they, they had flashes, right. There were a couple of games, like the, the Buccaneers game. Um, then that game against what the Washington football team. Was that when they, no. Yeah. Washington football team. When they just absolutely smacked, they had like 40 in the first half. Like they clearly yeah, showed yeah. the ability to oh, the do Atlanta it. game was the other one. Yeah. They, they clearly showed the ability to do it. So I, I don't, you know, I, I don't think it's one of those things where like the, the pick was wrong per se, but the pick was wrong because I mean, obviously the the numbers didn't come in, and the thing that we didn't uh, 
you know, the thing that we didn't count on was the defense being so good and putting them in a spot where they, they couldn't, they didn't need to score points. I mean, that was, that, that was basically what happened. And also, um, you know, I was, I was definitely team Daggle on just taking Ezekiel Elliott and just being like, look, the numbers are going to be there. And he did have a couple spike weeks, but he was certainly in much more of a timeshare with Tony Pollard than I anticipated. Yeah. And the other thing with the, the Cowboys is that I think the pass rate over expected stuff had their passing rates juiced to where, yeah, you know, a way above where they ended up coming in to kind of to your point on the defense. Cause I think that's a big part of the reason, but they also like in week two, they went run heavy against the chargers, which yeah. I, you know, in, in retrospect, good on them. Like that's how you beat the chargers. It's week two. They kind of, they, they went super passive against the Buccaneers out of the gate, established that as the way to beat the Buccaneers or at least to stay competitive with them. And then they go run heavy against the chargers against, you know, the league's biggest run funnel all season. So they were playing the matchups, I think really throughout the year. And yeah, it's a, that's a smart way to design an offense, but it's not necessarily going to lead to the best outcomes for, for us since we had projected them for massive pass rates, uh, and I also think it's one of the reason that uh, that Pollard had a really nice year because they realized they had two there was, good running. There backs. was more rushing attempts. Yeah, yeah, right. So they could they could kind of lean on the ground in a way that you know a lot of other teams couldn't. And it's we're going to do this again with Pollard too. Like Pollard's going to be an eighth round pick again this year. He should. I mean, I'm going to be in on Pollard. Pollard's really good. Yeah, I mean that is that is another thing too is just drafting more of the handcuff running backs and and less of the. I mean, I'll still definitely be in on the Ty Johnson, James White um, type guys, but definitely going to make more attempt of uh, trying to layer in the tr- pure, you know, the Alexander Madison's like the, the AJ yeah. Dillon's like the, the handcuff guys. Cause I mean, those were some of the biggest win rate players um, this last year were the guys who just got a couple fill in games. Yeah. And can actually take over the entire backfield like Madison and maybe it won't be the case anymore because like they're not going to have Zimmer, but you know, Madison to be able to just come in and get the entire backfield. And Madison, I think he's good. Like I think he's an equivalent talent to like a Josh Jacobs or something. You know, yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't have the breakaway speed that cook has, but he's pretty competent across the board and he's, and he's fairly, he does well in like elusive rating. He's like, you know, he's a pretty solid running back, but uh, you know, it is also situation based. It can be hard to predict like which, backfields those guys are actually gonna get all the work or it can change like justin jackson wasn't that guy and then all of a sudden he he was an absolute smash when they decided that he was actually the guy to play and austin eckler told us he was but yeah and 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 one one guy uh one guy that i got wrong in you know a spot that we talk about all the time which is the the unsettled backfield just not enough james connor just not not even close to enough james connor uh that one that one hurt a lot that was another i I, I you you were on connor yeah you were i was on connor yeah Uh, you tried to help me there there's some dusty guys that i like gravitate to and then some dusty guys that i write off completely and i i don't know why i do which (laughs) i don't know what it is but luckily connor was one of the dusty guys that uh that i gravitated to as as an underpriced guy uh but I think, I mean, to me with Pollard and A.J. Dillon, if we're able to get them in the eighth round, which is where they went last year, they're an absolute smash because we saw that, 
you know, they're talented. And we saw that both are really more in committees than, you know, we thought they would be. They're not just pure handcuffs. I think they're probably going to end up being more like in the sixth round, right? Like the, there has to be some kind of bump because we're more confident about the talent. You think I, we're still going to be, it's, it's, it's going to be hard to get them into the sixth round when there are still going to be start. Like, like you can't take Tony Pollard ahead of Clyde Edwards Hilaire, can you? I mean, you just said you weren't taking him in the seventh and eighth round. So yeah, I think we can. I mean, I will, I will take Clyde Edwards Hilaire over Tony Pollard next year. I think. This is going to be a fun season. Yeah, uh, it's good. I mean, fantasy football is particularly in, uh, you know, in um, high stakes and in underdog where, where the, the fields are so sharp. I mean, it is just going to get, uh, I mean, beyond, beyond running back heavy. Like it's going to be insane or a wide receiver heavy. Yeah, it, it kind of has to because if we're not getting a new class of running backs, the, the Cook, Kamara, Henry, like everyone's getting old. Even McCaffrey yeah. is entering his age 26. Yeah, season. what, it, what we, 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 we've gone through 45 minutes of this podcast without mentioning Christian McCaffrey. What are we, what are we thinking, bud? I, mean, I was just uh, talking with some people on Twitter about this. Yeah, I, and... I just saw you talking about this with uh, uh, Hoppin and um, uh, RF, or not, not RF. Uh, why am I uh, Hassan why? and Hassan. Uh, Jacob and yeah. uh, and Rich, um, but yeah, I, I think that he's got to be drafted pretty high, just because it, it maybe what was the year where David Johnson, maybe it was twenty eighteen where David Johnson was still like the one oh five or something like after he broke his hand, so not the amazing yeah. season in twenty sixteen, but then he breaks his wrist or whatever. I, I think like that year. Uh, and obviously he was, he was like a, a stone cold disaster that year. So yeah, you know, he, but he still, it, he had a Zeke season. He was a stone cold disaster and he finished running back nine. Right. Right. But he, and, but and he was still a disaster. Yeah. Because that was the, that was the Mike McCoy year. And they just, they ran up, they just decided he was like a fullback and yeah. they didn't throw to him and they used him as a power back. And it was just disgusting. I do worry about that with, a little bit with McCaffrey where, you know, rule fired Joe Brady. Cause he wants to run more. If they keep him around and he gets to pick the OC, I, I don't think you're going to be doing really interesting route concepts out of the backfield with McCaffrey like Brady was. So then you start to worry about, dude, know, how what? bad, how bad is Matt rule? He's so bad. He's so bad. They, DJ Moore, there's one. There's one that cost me lots of bucks. DJ Moore over Cooper Cup. I mean, that that changes the whole season. There's like certain players where I'm just going to lose money until they retire. Yep. And, and that's D DJ, DJ Moore's Moore is one well. of them. I'm just going to keep drafting DJ Moore. Like you tell me where his ADP is and then I'll be heavily overweight. Because <laughs> there's no way he's going to be like in the third round or something where I where I can't pull that off. No, I think he'll be more in like the fifth round this year. Exactly. Yeah. I think he could even be like late fifth, early sixth. Like he could be, uh, what was that cluster? Kind of that like Claypool tier this year. I, could, I think he could be in that grouping. Yeah. What, what about Claypool? What do you do with Claypool? Who's the quarterback? Someone better than big, like someone Andy Dalton level. 
Oh God, I think I'm still in. <laughs> he's, he's good. He, I mean, yeah, he is. He's very good. Um, but he is very good. But the 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 offense is not structured in such a way to even want to get him the ball, basically. Yeah, but that offense is led right now by Ben Roethlisberger, who can't get him the ball all that often. What do you think about Deontay Johnson? Because he's he's like pretty interesting to me. Where he gets he gets open, like he is really good at getting open, but he gets open like three yards from the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So it's just like a tough, you know, I, I it's really tough for me to weigh because if he gets it, if he gets an Andy Dalton, he'll probably be great. But if he gets, uh, like even if he gets a Jimmy Garoppolo, like I don't know that Jimmy Garoppolo is doing the Ben oh, Roethlisberger would, thing dude, where he, he just would... throws to him while he's standing still. Dude, he would smash with Jimmy Garoppolo. Deontay's not that different than Debo. <laughs> I mean, Garoppolo does, gets a lot of his stuff like on crossing routes and, and things. I'm not sure. Yeah, but Deontay can do that. They can they can work the offense around a little I bit suppose, to do more of that. Yeah. That's I think Claypool would be way more exciting on that. Get him full speed over the middle. Jimmy yeah. No, I mean he, he he would be, but they uh, also Tomlin hates Chase Claypool. That's an underrated thing. <laughs> That's is true. He, is he just is like Chase Claypool is a fucking idiot. I don't, I don't like Chase Claypool. Like that's a big. He part sat of Claypool it. down in like week thirteen last year. It was like it's time for you to hit the rookie wall, bud. He, I mean, this year they benched him for a game for half a game for James Washington because he wanted to play rap music at practice. Well, he also pointed first down, and everyone got real pissed off about that. Yeah, that people were people were really mad at him about that. I mean, it's so stupid. Yeah, I I, I just ignored that. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, you know, another underrated thing that happened was we just talked about the Cowboys sucking. I mean, the Chiefs sucked. Mahomes was the was the first quarterback drafted, and he's going to finish like the quarterback fifteen. Yeah, the Chiefs are just overpriced, which you know eventually they kind of had to be, uh, you know. And I, but you want to talk about like a team that could be one of those teams that you just needed to have next year, like the Chiefs, their prices have to come down. Uh, you know, I, I was just talking about how I'm starting to get a little nervous about Kelsey, but you could see Kelsey like still putting in an incredible year, you know, one year after everyone thinks he's done. Uh, Hill obviously has a huge upside. So, I mean, like, do you think Tyreek Hill's going to go Tyreek Hill's what probably going to go at the one, two turn? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, he definitely will go after, um, Cooper cup, Devonte Adams, uh, maybe even Justin Jefferson. I, I could see, I could Depending see him on the quarterback. After. What about chase? Does chase go ahead of him? Oh yeah. Yeah, he will. Especially, I mean, so much of this stuff is, is going to be influenced by what these guys do in the playoffs, you know, like guys who have uh, guys who have really good playoffs are, are, are going to get True. bumped up. Yeah. But as we sit here today, I think Hill's almost in that like DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, Deandre Hopkins tier from this year's draft season. Yeah. Yeah, I Which, think that I mean he, I mean DeAndre Hopkins, that. how about that? How about what do you, where does DeAndre Hopkins go next year? DeAndre Hopkins a guy like that we liked who scored touchdowns to like keep himself barely afloat, but he was close to having like a disaster season. Yeah, where does he go? I'm trying to think of like a comp for him. I mean, he was like I mean, getting he, he was like getting out targeted by by AJ Green. 
Yeah, it wasn't good. Uh, and you, I mean, okay, so like Julio Jones was going what in like the the four five. Yeah. Uh, so he's not. He's going to go ahead of that. So. Yeah, I I'd probably say probably mid third, kind of like where Allen Robinson was going. Maybe maybe. Yeah, kind of like that Mike Lauren Robinson tier, maybe a touch after that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they're just they're like, I mean, it probably feels like this every year in fantasy, but like the the first couple rounds are like we've lost a lot of uh historically, like these guys have gone in the first couple rounds for many years. Like Allen Robinson not gonna go anywhere close to these rounds. Oh, Hopkins God. is gonna have a big fall. Um, you know, G- Gibson. Right. Gibson, I think, is going to have uh, a decent fall. I think Gibson, Gibson's helium is going to be replaced by DeAndre Swift. Swift is going to be like 15th yeah. overall, probably. For sure. What, what about Javante Williams? I mean, it just totally depends. If Melvin, if Melvin Gordon leaves, if Melvin Gordon leaves to go be uh, a backup tandem with J.K. Dobbins in Baltimore, I, I mean, Javante can literally go in the first round. Yeah, I agree. By the way, on Gibson, Assuming he goes kind of like where Miles Sanders did this year, I think I'll, especially in best ball, I'll have some Gibson. I mean, it, well, and that just depends a lot on what they do with McKissick, right? If McKissick gets he's a free signed agent. or if he doesn't. Yeah. And at their yeah. court. Yeah. They, they need to figure out quarterback. That's been a huge problem. Yeah. Which is, um, well, we'll see. I mean, I was never, um, you know, I was never a, a Ryan Fitzpatrick guy, but certainly Ryan Fitzpatrick would have been better for him then than Taylor Heineke. Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick would have been way better. They yeah. were doing – dude, Washington, like, I think they kind of quietly are pretty sharp. They – Heineke was one of the highest uh, play-action quarterbacks all season. I think he was second behind Tua on the year in play-action rate. They run a, they ran a ton of motion. Uh, they pass a lot on first and ten. Uh, they were using a lot of RPO. They were doing like trick plays, trick play looks. You know, they weren't running a ton of trick plays, but you know, they're just like trying to do all the bells. They were just like anything that might help Taylor Heineke play efficiently. We're going to do it. We're going to try it. Um, and I don't know, to me, the fact that he was pretty efficient throughout most of the season, excluding absolutely terrible games against Dallas uh, is impressive. Like I think their coaching staff's, pretty good you know scott turner being the oc uh so if they get anything if they get like a quarterback upgrade you know that's that's like really anyone that we feel better than like andy dalton about i i could see myself talking talking myself back into washington which means where do you think terry mclaurin will go because i think he would be pretty interesting i mean that that again you know that totally depends on who their quarterback is like if if they run back the Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen, platter of guys. I mean, I, I just, yeah, no, how, where, wherever he will go, he will be, uh, I, I won't take him. I just, I just won't be able to justify it. I don't think. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I don't, I, I can't really see it. Uh, I mean, I could see it if he like falls to like the DJ shark Marquise Brown, you know, like eighth, ninth round. Yeah. But if yeah, it's tough. If um, Kellen Moore gets hired as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, what are we doing with Jags players? I don't think we're drafting them. <laughs> I mean, really? how good is Kellen Moore? 
I don't know, pretty, man. This was good, bad. This was about as bad a a debut as as you can get. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I you know who I would probably draft is ETN. Yeah, yeah. ETN ETN feels um, ETN feels like he's going to be a bargain because uh, I mean one of the things is that the people love James Robinson, and so yeah. the and the the actually in a weird way Cam Akers coming back so soon from this Achilles injury is going to give the, the the James Robinson truthers helium to want to draft James Robinson. That's a good point. That's a good point. But bro, Achilles injuries bro. are all over the place. The the so off season the off season is 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 shorter or longer than the regular <laughs> season. Cam Akers came back, played in the playoffs, dude. <laughs> there it is. I mean, it's just right there. The slappies the slappies are ready for it. I mean, on ETN, I think, uh, I mean, in this Kellen Moore scenario. Uh, uh, yeah. But yeah, I don't I'm, know. Are you, what, where are we taking Visca next year? 15th round? I mean, it's the, 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 the Visca thing is the same thing as uh, Hardman, where like I've just been burn on him and burn on him and burn on him. Now, next year, they're going to be so cheap. Uh, I mean, Visca will <laughs> Wait, be. You're, are you still taking Hardman? He's. Hardman is going to go in the 18th round next year. Yeah, he is. Because you're going to be the only one drafting And I'm going to be the one taking him. Yeah. But where does, where does Pringle go? Where does Pringle go? Pringle goes in the 14th, 15th. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I'll 16th. just achieve in every draft, bud. But I think Pringle, I mean, they, they've shown pretty clearly that Pringle's, you know, a guy that Better. they'll. Yeah. Yeah. They'll start Pringle. Hardman's like a rotational reserve. I mean, Demarcus Robinson at least is not going to be on the team next year. Yeah. Well, so, if Demarcus Robinson's blocking you from playing time, <laughs> that's a problem. No, I mean, I mean, obviously he's uh he's bad. Um yeah. but I just, you know, what 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 can you do? You know? Yeah. Pringle was a good call though, man. The chief in every draft. Dude, I was I mean, Daryl. Daryl was like amazing, Darryl. dude. I was I was very close to having teams that could have made me a lot of money. Like I I got enough things super super right, but it was and and Rojo even having a starting week in the playoffs, like Rojo yeah. in the semifinal week, like it was very close to working out. But in the end, the things that I couldn't overcome was the quarterbacks. Honestly, at the end of the day, that was actually the thing. I mean, one of the teams I had in the semifinal uh, had no quarterback. I had Justin Fields missed and Sam Darnold didn't play. So I just had zero court and, and Lamar Lamar also as well. Yeah. And the thing that, and I had a lot of teams like that too. And the thing that really bumps me out about it is like, what if I had been right? Like, what if, would, would it have really what if, changed what, Or it just fields, it fields just wasn't on the COVID list. Or, but I mean, like, what if I had been right versus what if I had taken more, uh, I don't know who, who's, Who's like the boring quarterback that going in that room? What if I just Kirk. had like a lot more Kirk Cousins? Yeah. I mean, honestly, Pat, we, we've gone this far in the podcast without saying the thing that we really missed, which was Leonard Fournette. I mean, Leonard Fournette um, just was a smash. Fit, fit all of the things that we should like. He catches passes, ambiguous backfield, good offense. And we're sitting with our thumbs up our asses drafting Giovanni Bernard. Dude, the Giovanni Bernard thing... 
it makes me so mad at myself because I, I just used it as an excuse. Obviously, have a have a bias against Fournette because we faded him in 2020. Worked out great, and uh, you know, I, I'm rooting for Rojo. So then come in, but in the early offseason, I literally like did I like notified the entire ship chasing channel to be like, don't not draft Leonard Fournette because of my bias, <laughs> because he's a he's like totally fine where he's going. Rojo's going to drop an ADP, which he did, of course. Uh, but the the geo pick kind of got me out of that headspace because I was thinking early in the offseason, like, okay, Fournette's fine. Like, I'll begrudgingly take him some because, you know, the pass catching role, et cetera. He looked good in the playoffs or it didn't look terrible. And uh, then, like, I just, as soon as I had an, a reason to stop thinking sharply, I, I took it. And uh, that, yep. that excuse was geo, which was a terrible excuse because geo was terrible the year before, you know? And like the excitement around geo catching passes, it's so easy, you know, in retrospect, but obviously at the time, you know, someone was like, Hey, do you think maybe geo might suck? And then who else can catch passes on the roster besides, besides geo? It's not Rojo. Right. Right. Like, you know, you could have got, who is it? Oh, it's, it's, Oh, it's Fournette. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was a frustrating one for sure. I mean, it just, it's, it's just very obnoxious. Yeah. And, and what a change the season. I mean, even if, if you just hit on what, if you hit on Connor, if you hit on Fournette on, you know, 20% of your teams or whatever, I mean, it just, it just, your, your advance rates are just so big. I mean, your, your advance well, rates are just so big. The other thing is that I want to, um, I want to like, you know, in terms because these biases, right. They, they really affect and you try to, to prevent them from affecting you, but I kind of want to try to like flip the biases in my favor a little bit. Like, so for example, with Fournette, we fade Fournette in 2020, it works out great. So then like the, your, your kind of lizard brain bias wants to like do it again, but yeah, the way better payoff emotionally is to not fade him, get on him. And then he hits and then you faded him when he sucked and you, and you hammered him when he hit and you feel like an absolute genius that was on the table. Could have, could have tried that out. So I kind of want to like, think about like how, you know, my, my silly emotions will feel later and try to like trick my biases that way. What do you, what do you think about that? No, I, I like it, but what you're describing is really just being price sensitive in a way that you and I are both bad at because you and I, you and I just get so excited about players. Like we're like, this guy's amazing or this guy sucks. Like we just get so all in or so all out on players. Whereas guys who are really, really good at daily fantasy guys who are really, really good at season long fantasy, they just tend to be much, they just are very price sensitive. So like LaVisca as a rookie in like the 14th round, all in LaVisca as a semi-impressive rookie playing with a rookie quarterback and a shitty head coach in the sixth round, not nearly as uh, interesting to those players. But what but about we, in the fifth round? Right. But we were just like, why not? Like, oh, he's in LaVisca <laughs> Chanel. We're all in. Like, let's do it. <laughs> it's really sad. What would you what would you pay for LaVisca right now in a seasonal draft or in a dynasty league? Our our dynasty super flex league. I'd give a third form. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the saddest sentence that's ever been stated on this show. I mean th- super flex third, have some value. A third a third for LaVisca is a sad state of the world. I wouldn't give a second. Would you give a second in the Superflex? I mean, those are pretty valuable picks. If I had multiples, if I had like three seconds, 
Yeah, that's fair. It's a pretty weak draft class from what I hear too. So, so maybe it would be smart to give a second. I, I actually think it's uh it's a good um wide receiver class though. I think we're going to end up getting enamored by the wide receivers. Ooh, I do like getting enamored by wide receivers. Like Traylon, like Traylon Burks. Like oh, when you, yeah, he's like he looks unbelievable. Good. Yeah. He looks and these, awesome. And the Ohio state guys, I mean, you never know what to do with the Ohio state guys, but these like Olave is going to run like a four or three. Yeah. I, I'm done questioning Ohio state guys. They always overperform, uh, overform relative to their advanced metrics and stuff to the price sensitive thing. Um, well, I mean, yeah, and, and the Fournette point on the price sensitivity is great because, like, we faded him when he was a fourth-round pick. Then he was, like, a ninth-round pick, obviously, you know. Dude, he was way price. later than the ninth round. He was going after, he, like, Kenyon Drake. Well, in FFPC, he was more in the ninth, but yeah, yeah. I think he was. Yeah. yeah, but you're right. In best ball, he was a little, little bit later. Uh, but, like, when I was talking earlier about the, the prior thing, you know, like, trying to set up, like, you know – better priors on guys like Swift and Gibson and stuff. Like it really does just come down to price sensitivity and just like kind of, I think in some ways, like trying to cap say like this guy, you know, relative to projections, you know, this guy is kind of someone that I would like to boost most likely because of like, he has this really great profile, you know, let's say he's a, a second year player, a third year player. And, you know, he's, he's been really efficient and kind of relative to what will make sense to project him. I'm going to be excited but I kind of want to figure out like where the caps are on that. You know, like he, he has the profile of a guy who like, if he, if he was projected for an awesome workload would be a great pick in the, you know, third round. But then when, you know, he gets pushed up into the mid second, early second, you, it's okay not to, not to be drafting him so much. And I also want to be doing more drafts early in the off season, which yeah. I'm hoping will prevent me from, chasing guys up so much because i'll already feel like i have plenty of exposure yeah i i mean pretty much whenever whenever it, the the problem is is that best ball mania will launch way before they start doing the puppies well maybe they won't i mean i i have this grand dream that they launch a puppy with a million dollars in first place and they just make it absolutely massive and it just you know it just goes all off season like that would be that would be incredible i don't know i don't know if they will um but I mean, just having to like, there's a like five dollar drafts. You can just do an infinite number. I mean, you could do, you could just do like, you'd be like whatever. But right. but just lo- like it just to do the twenty five dollar drafts every single day. It's uh, it gets pricey, especially when you just take Ronald Jones and uh, McCall Hardman and all of them. <laughs> it gets really pricey that way. <laughs> it sure does. Uh, what what are you what are you doing with Derrick Henry next year? I'm, I'm done. I'm done fading Derrick Henry. I'll just take him. I'll take him the same way I take Cook or Kamara or whoever. Like if, if the, the market decides he's the fifth pick, he's the fifth pick, and I will take him when I get the fifth pick. Uh, come on, man. He's almost, no. he's almost retired. We can't stop fading now. No, no. This is, this is Leonard Fournette part dose. This is we're, we're doing no, it's it again. not because he's not cheap. If Derrick Henry was in the 11th round, sure. But he's going to be what? The, the 105? Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he, I mean, maybe more depends if he, if he comes back and owns in the playoffs. Yeah. Turns 29 in January. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. Does he really? No, shit. no, no, I'm sorry. It's, it's, uh, he already turned 28 a couple days ago. Is that true? Yeah, okay. Never mind. I, I lied. added a year to him. I lied. Yeah, I lied. 
We uh we gotta do it. We gotta we gotta fade Derrick Henry again. All right, let's fade him. <laughs> What's the point of even playing fantasy if we can't fade Derrick Henry in his 35 touches a game? Yeah, like if we can't if we can't fade if we can't clearly fade, you know, the the guy who was on pace to to be the best fantasy football draft pick ever, then <laughs> yeah, just an absolute smash, <laughs> just a total smash. I mean, yeah. he he literally was like he literally was the like he was on pay he was on like we got we got bailed out we we, we really got bailed, got bailed out, out by him getting hurt yeah a hundred percent but at the same time he wasn't actually like it, you know the advanced metrics on you know breakaway uh rushers over expected he's normally crushed those he didn't new offense coordinator didn't seem quite as creative and you know you see that with the play action rate for Tannehill being way down like he, he's just a little bit kind of more it's just like a, a simpler scheme it seems like uh and part of that is just like let's just hand the ball to henry a million times that's not great for injury rate right like it, coming off the foot injury now yeah but you you can't even you can't even sweat that with henry you just you when you're taking derrick henry you're just drafting the terminator yeah but i, I think we feel that way about guys until we don't and then it quick flips like super quickly and we're like now he's injury prone i mean he's like what 250 pounds 240, whatever he is. And, you know, his foot, he injured his foot, you know, the lower body stuff. I can't, I can't sell you on this at all. Yeah. But dude, he's going to come back. He's going to come back in the playoffs and just absolutely own. Yeah, he is. Like he's going to, I don't I don't even know. I don't even know who they're set to play in the first round, but they're going to play someone in the first round and he's going to have like 180 rushing yards and three touchdowns. And we're going to be like, Oh yeah. There's that guy that we're planning on going into the season, not drafting again. Yep. That's exactly right. And then now I, I will be, <laughs> I will be comfortable um, fading Ezekiel Elliott this year. Like wherever, I, I don't know. He'll, he'll get pushed up a little bit because of the, the guaranteed volume, you know? Yeah. But I don't think he'll go anywhere near Henry. Uh, Where do you think he goes? I don't know. I think he goes like two. Uh, not quite two three turn but more like maybe the 208 210 uh i could probably be talked into it then because it feels feels like like where he almost has to go well it feels like if the the cowboys defense has uh you know if the cowboys defense is much worse the cat and Dak will have this offseason to get healthy from like whatever is ailing him feels like a lot of things are ailing him yeah i i won't i won't be on it Cause that's a range yeah. where there's always really good wide receiver picks. There is always really good wide receiver. I mean, where's CD lamb go next year? Probably pretty similar range. Doesn't that feel bad considering that he basically was completely, uh, he, he crushed against Atlanta and he had a really good week one. And that was kind of all he did. He's been really efficient this year. Michael Gallup, obviously not going to be there. Um, a thousand yards and six touchdowns is what you got with CD lamb this year. Yeah. I'm still in. I'm still in. I mean, I mean obviously, obviously I'm still in what early third, like, yeah. Same, same range, same range. He yeah. just went in. Yeah. Where, what about T Higgins? Where do you think he goes? T, T feels like a screaming buy because it feels like drafters won't want to have him and chase both so high where chase probably goes tail end of the first round. So feels like T will probably go after like Lamb, and feels oh like my God. 
Yeah. I would take T in the late second. Yeah. I mean, if you if you want T Higgins, there's the uh the the recurring bit that you guys were never able to get T this year on on ship chasing. I don't think that's gonna be a thing. I think you're gonna be I think you're gonna be able to draft lots of T Higgins. Sweet. We should try to not come in last place in our league this year in the main event. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. You know what's absurd is that team was actually so good. Like that team, <laughs> <laughs> that team, we got we got Eli Mitchell, we got Chase Edmonds, who was like a playoff hero. Like that team actually, like we got all we we got all these things right. But we, we had all made, the running backs. We didn't have any wide receivers. We and we made all the wrong start sets at the beginning of the season. Yeah, like every wrong start set. Well, we'll draft Henry next year and we'll be good. Yeah, there you go. All right, man. Let's uh let's get you out of here. Tell the people what they can what are what are you gonna be working on over on the uh the offseason on NBC Sports Edge? Well, through the playoffs, I'm still doing the walkthrough. Um, so yeah, check that out. I'll be doing kind of the, the same, just less games, but you know, the same kind of deep dive approach. Uh helpful for DFS and everything. And uh yeah, still doing ship chasing uh every Wednesday night. 915 this next week we're doing like a full like blowout ffpc playoff contest uh, we're doing five shows next week wow be joining us on tuesday we got daigle on monday we got hassan and blair on wednesday we're doing uh sean siegel is coming on thursday then we're doing a, a drunk show with leone and dink on friday night so it's just the the whole week we're talking FFPC playoff contest. We're going to be talking ownership projections on Tuesday with you. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. I love that contest. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is a very fun contest. Uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever done well in it, to be honest. Like I, yeah, I feel like. It's like uh, last year we had, we were like pretty live a couple of rounds in and then things kind of broke against us. The Chubb, Chubb having really strong games hurt us pretty yeah. badly because we that was a big pivot spot where we went to landry there um but it's a fun thing because you have to think through like not just who's going to win each round but like because you you pick one player um from every team you can't pick you can only pick one player from from each team uh and everyone's limited by the same constraints and uh you know no salaries or anything so you know there's kind of like guys who get super chalky you want to pivot off them, but then you also have to think like, well, if this team advances, you know, are they actually going to advance because of Jarvis Landry or because of Nick Chubb? And most of the time it's because of Nick Chubb. Yeah. Well, not great. Not great to get, not, I mean, I guess it's fitting to be owned by Nick Chubb one last time. Nick Chubb, do? by the way, is a guy I think I'm going to be in on next year. Not the typical profile, but I'm, I'm kind of excited about Nick Chubb. Well, when Kirk Cousins is their quarterback let's go let's go i mean showed up flash as a receiver looks great on those screen passes is uh, uh is is kareem hunt's contract still a thing i think it might be i think he might be still there but i don't know i could see them just just like treating him more like dalvin cook next year and you still have the other thing with with chubb that you have is he's just like truly still an elite rusher he, he's just oh for sure you know, and I, I think like in a way that I'm starting to waver a little bit on Henry just because now we've got age and he didn't, he didn't flash it quite as much this year. Uh, Chubb, there's just no doubts that he's just like, really looking forward to get, getting buried by 28 year old Derek Henry. That's going to be, <laughs> that's going to, that's going to be really special. It's going to be the best. Yeah. 
All right, everyone, follow Pat. Listen to the good football show. Read NBC Sports Edge. We'll be back uh, next week. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.